Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week, we focus on a person, historical event, or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. You're going to welcome me? I welcome everybody. No, just me. (laughs) No, it's how I am. I'm inclusive, Jess. Welcome, everybody, to the HIV podcast. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I've got something... I was going to say interesting so I'm not sure it's interesting but we had a great response to your penis measuring blue peter skills right mm. and one of my friends messaged me last weekend and say he tried it and he got a paper cut on his penis I think he was just messing with me I think he was just joking because you know you'd hope you didn't get a cardboard cut wouldn't you but um yeah lots of people very much enjoying that that little fact we did ask for feedback does it work is he happy with the size I didn't ask if he was happy because after he said he had a paper cut, I was just like, oh, crikey, you know. I think that's a brilliant life hack. One of the best ones I've actually ever heard. I'm going to see if I can find one on uh, the best way to measure your vagina. No, when you're having a baby, don't they do it by fingers? I don't mean that horribly, but don't they say your, oh no, they do centimetres, don't they? (laughs) Your your cervix, yes. Okay, yeah, that's different. I don't just have a baby, Sarah, I don't know. (laughs) Measuring the the size of your... Well, I, no, they're not. They're measuring the cervix to see, you know, if it's softened. And let's not just talk about this. But how do they know, genuinely? How do they know the centimetres that you're dilated? By the number of fingers. So that's what I'm think. saying. So it is fingers, right? I know we're not saying vagina. But, but I'll be honest with you. When I had both of my babies, I had a lot of drugs, like hospital drugs. Not It wasn't just snorting oh, it, it sounded like a good time. It really was. A lot of gas and air, an epidural. I mean, I just didn't know what was going on. It was just a complete surprise to me when they put the baby on me. And I was like, all right, well, that's a piece of cake, isn't it? Were you like, who's this? Who's this? Who does this belong to? This is mine. I told you before. Afterwards, um, I was still chugging on that gas and air, even though he'd been born. And the midwife was like, well, you don't need that now because there's your baby. And I was like, no, no. My husband was like, you just let go of that. 
it's all over. And the reality of that, I often think, must be so just shocking to suddenly be like, there's a tiny human. And, you know, you haven't done it before if you're like a first time parent, but you're in theory, just go look after them, keep them alive. Bye. I'd be like, I'd have a look. And then if you're a manual, there's no instructions. You're just sent home with a live being. Well, it's dogs for me, Sarah. It's dogs for me. I can see the benefits. Definitely. Anyway, they're both still alive. So go me. So I'm wondering if anybody else got any paper cuts. I'm hoping not, obviously. Um, back to that bit after our little, you know, we digressed and went off into the land of babies. But, you know, if you did, like Sarah said last week, don't sue us and just be gentle with yourself while measuring. Yeah, don't ram it on. I think that's what your friend did. Maybe maybe he was like ran upstairs, took all the roll off the toy. He was just too excited to do it. Mm, over-enthusiastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope it's healed and yeah, I hope you feel get, better. Get well soon. Yeah. <laughs> I love that we didn't get well soon shout outs now. <laughs> so what are we doing today? Because remember we left last week's episode where I asked you what we were doing and you said something, but we had no idea what that would be. Oh, no, no, no. I do know now. Obviously, I've got it all here. This week, we're looking at Pedro Zamora. From the real world. Yes. I'm really excited for this because I only know that he was in the real world. And I feel like he may have been one of the first people to be openly positive on a reality show. Is that correct? Yes. You don't sound sure. I don't know if he was the first. He was the first for them. Oh, this is amazing. I'm so glad we do research beforehand. (laughs) I have no idea what's happening. Who are we doing? Oh, look, I'm going to go back. This is the worst one we've ever done. Do you know why it's all gone down the swanee? It's because where's your robe? Where's your robe of many colours? Oh, oh, yeah, but this isn't... Well, it is, no, this is a person, not history. So I'm going to have a... I need a person outfit. Isn't that just your human skin that you're wearing? No, you know, like a... You know, I'm not a cloak. I need something different. A hat. Oh, my God, I'm going to get you hats. Like oh, lots of on. ridiculous hats. How about one of those ones? You know, like a cap with a propeller on it? Or like an umbrella hat. Oh, Grace is here. Sarah's oh, cat has just is... launched itself onto her keyboard. Hello. Now, oh, she just wants some love, doesn't she? In a minute, she'll bite me. But she loves you. We'll have to share this so that people can see what we have to put up with. Yeah, all of this hair, gross. Grace Maybe I'll make bottom. a cloak out of her fur. Yes. Just to clarify, Sarah has just shown me a bit of fluff from Gracie because actually, what that sounded like, Sarah, if you were just a listener, was you were going to make a cloak out of your cat. Well, she's not that badly behaved, right? No, she's also not that big. Wouldn't be a very big cloak. Barely a panel of a look at you looking at me now like, what the hell are you doing? Right. Shall we start? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So we are featuring, as I said, oh, he says his name. So have you, I don't know if you've seen him on YouTube or whether you saw him on that TV program, but he, uh, the way he says his name is beautiful. I just butcher it with my awful, I don't even know what my accent is. Yeah. Is it the Zamora bit that he says nicely? No, it's Pedro. He says it so beautifully that I I, I can't even pull that off. I think he will forgive you because we are just, you know, what can we do? We are but two English women, Sarah. This is very true. Yes. So he is a cute, well, he was a Cuban-American and Wikipedia states he was one of the first openly gay men living with AIDS in America. But, you know, I'm always kind of dubious about, I've got one of Grace's cat hairs on my nose, always dubious um, about those sort of claims. But, you know, here we are. He's definitely 
one of the first Cuban-Americans to be open about both his sexuality and his HIV diagnosis. I agree with you about being slightly wary of things you read because isn't I'm not saying Wikipedia doesn't have good facts, but can't anyone edit it? Yeah. And it's quite a sweeping statement, isn't it, to say you know, he was the first. I'm not sure that he was. But anyway, as we said, his name is Pedro Zamora. Um, I know the way I say it, say it sounds very basic. He's all over YouTube um, if you want to hear him say his name properly. Sounds beautiful. So he came to America from Cuba with some of his family. So his older siblings stayed behind. This is in 1980. So oh, going back to the 80s. Your favourite. Would that have been when the... No, I was about to really embarrass myself and say, is that when the Cuban Missile Crisis was? But that is not true, is it? Because wasn't that when our parents were young? I don't know. I'm not going to lie. My uh, history knowledge of Cuba is pretty limited. Okay, let me There was an exodus from Cuba at the time that they came over because the Cuban Missile Crisis was in 1962. I was slightly out. Okay. Well, I shall explain. There'd been a downturn in Cuba's economy. And it meant that there was a bit of an exodus to America because a lot of Cubans were struggling with day-to-day living costs. I think, you know, we know how that feels, but they were feeling it much, much more. So there was kind of a mass exodus. Um, and Pedro's family came over in 1990, 1980, not, didn't bring the whole family, quite a large family. The older siblings, as I said, stayed at home um, and they settled in a suburb of Miami. And they just settled into a kind of a new way of life. When he was 13, he lost his mother to skin cancer. Uh, And the way he coped with her death was really by focusing on his schoolwork. So, you know, right from a very early age, he is not one for giving up. Very popular at school, nominated most intellectual and best all round by his classmates. Can you believe, I don't know if they still do this in America. We never had this at my school. They must do because isn't it all to do with like yearbooks and things? And it's like, you go in the year because, I don't know, most likely to be class clown or whatever. I think it's a bit like that. Anyone from America, let us know. Are things like that still a thing? We don't have that here, do we? No, not at all. I mean, how demoralising. Well, if you're the one that's always voted as, you know, the best all-round person or the most intellectual or the funniest, then that's great for your ego. But there must be kids in class who are never nominated for anything who are just like, well, this is great, isn't it? I'm no good at anything. Well, yes. Or imagine being for something when you really wouldn't want to be. Say if there must be some not great categories and people are like, thanks everyone for voting for me. I feel like young people have a hard enough time without having categories of voting for like a yearbook and things, you know? I know. Anyway, so he's, you know, he's very popular. He's very intelligent. He plans to become a doctor and that's been inspired by his mum's death. So he's very driven, very focused, knows what he wants out of life. By the mid 80s, he's 14. He's got a boyfriend and his dad, his dad's very strict Cuban man, but he just accepts Pedro's sexuality. Amazing. amazing. Love that. Yes. Love that. I mean, if you understand that culture, you'll understand how hard it must have been for his dad to do that. But he's like, no, it's all fine. At the time, Pedro, along with millions of other young American people, were not educated about safe sex or AIDS. Wasn't taught in schools in America, just like it wasn't taught in UK schools here. In 1989, he's a junior in high school. No idea what age that was. Is it year seven, year eight? Oh, I think it's sort of your 15, no, 16, maybe. Oh, hang on. Is a freshman the first people? Isn't that year Yeah, and isn't there like a sophomore? A sophomore junior and then senior 
I'm so sorry to everyone listening in America. <laughs> they're, they're like, what? Why are they even go- What are they talking about? And yeah, our knowledge of the uh, American education system is pretty poor. It's it's you, and that you can tell it's heavily based from watching like American TV shows or films. Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely, definitely our knowledge base. <laughs> um, right. So in 1989, he's a junior in high school, and the Red Cross are having uh, what they call a blood drive, encouraging people to donate blood, and he donates. And then about a month later, he receives a letter from the Red Cross saying his blood tested reactive, but it doesn't say what it tested reactive for. God, how stressful that must have been. He decides to go for an HIV test and his diagnosis is confirmed on the 9th of November 1989. So he's young, still in school, and he's now been diagnosed with HIV. Oh, So they would just say it's reactive and not let you know what that was for? I know. You can't just say to somebody, well, there's something, but no idea what it is. Like, off you go and try and investigate yourself. Yeah, try and work out what you think it might be. It's the 80s for you, though, isn't it? Exactly. And thank goodness he did kind of work out what was going on. His family, uh, they sound awesome, by the way, because they're very supportive. You know, his original goal was was to become a doctor. And that changes. Once he's had his HIV diagnosis, he's like, "Mm, no, you know, my goal now. Oh, this is the saddest thing. He's said my goal is to graduate from high school before I die. At that age, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again, the bravery of young people like him, like Ryan White, it's so moving, isn't it? Yeah. Just the courage is off the scale. Yeah. I I actually didn't realise that he was diagnosed so young. No, I didn't realise either. And he does. He does graduate from high school in 1990. Imagine that though. Imagine actually living out your dream. That's amazing. Yeah, and that's it. Goal achieved, isn't it? All right, I've got this far. Anything um, else is a bonus then, isn't it? I think it gives you hope, but I think it also gives you determination. It's like, right, if I've met this goal, I'm definitely going to set myself a harder goal to achieve. Yeah. And I think I was kind of made it sound easy, really, because, I mean, he does fall ill. He's got shingles. So five months after he graduates from school, he's fallen ill with shingles. And he does recover. But obviously, you know, illnesses like that do damage your immune system when he's recovered I suppose it's a bit of a kind of wake-up call maybe to think oh actually this is definitely happening to me because I think before that if you've not got any symptoms I think it's quite hard to try and convince yourself that you're poorly I think that is one of the kind of biggest challenges actually with anyone who's diagnosed with HIV along with the stigma and everything else is if you're not gonna there is no medication and you don't feel unwell it's like well have I really got this yeah, that is a bit of a juxtaposition, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, what he decides to do is join a Miami HIV centre called Body Positive, um, and he meets others affected by HIV. So he's coming to terms with this now. He's hearing other people's kind of stories, and it's helping him to see that he can still have a life worth living um, and not perhaps as limited as he perhaps first felt. And it motivates him to want to raise awareness in his community. This so, is why groups are so important, because they do give people so much more than just dealing with something by yourself. I feel like it opens up a whole new world, doesn't it, once you start attending any kind of support group. And it must have done back in the day. You know, we're talking a time where it's, I mean, it's still really highly stigmatised, isn't it? But especially the times that we're talking about here. So mm. to have that support network, I just think it changes your world. Oh, absolutely I think without a doubt for him it's not to be so reassuring to know that there are other people in the same boat as you that are experiencing the same feelings it's just helpful isn't it, it gives you a benchmark on how you're um, dealing with this yourself um, and it giving you friendship isn't it and, and a support network 
So he um, acknowledges all of this, he's grateful for all of this, and he's like, I'm going to be a full-time AIDS educator. And he starts going out to schools, PTA meetings, churches, all the places that are missing out on HIV education. In the next five years, he gives hundreds of talks across America. I know, it's incredible, isn't it? That he's just like, right, I'm going to do this. And he does. But I told you, he's like a go-getter. Very focused. Do you know who who he reminds me of? Emma Cole? Very similar, I would say, in kind of their outlook. And, you know, everybody needs to know that this is happening and why it's happening and and how to kind of handle it. They're amazing. Yeah. And getting off your own backs to education to people that really need it and to spend your time doing that. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's um, living with HIV. There's very little medication um, and it's exhausting. He's traveling all over America. Now, I know our geography poor, but we know that America is big. That we do know. You know, they have different time zones. Yes. Honestly, it blows my mind. (laughs) I think Scotland's far away. Like, imagine the size of America. Exactly. And he's traveling all over there giving talks about kind of HIV and AIDS. And in doing so, he's attracting more attention. So the Wall Street Journal, one of the media that feature him on a front page article, and he's invited on talk shows, many talk shows, but the one I recognised was Oprah. And he also testifies before the US Congress. And his request is for more explicit HIV educational programs. So he's saying to them, if you want to reach me as a young man, especially a young gay man of colour, you need to give me information in a language and a vocabulary I can understand and relate to. Still true today, isn't it? Yeah, I think we forget that a lot of the time. You know, you don't want anything to be over-targeted. I know that's feedback that the HIV sector as a whole has received, actually, isn't it? When when we're kind of trying to encourage certain groups to test. But equally, you need to make sure that whoever you are trying to target understands what you're trying to say to them in a, in a means or in a, by a method that they are on board with. Yes, that's the thing, isn't it? So you're actually taking on that information rather than, I don't know, I think some language, especially in this sector, as we've talked about before, you know, it's a sea of acronyms. And also, we've had to stop ourselves sometimes when we've been writing, I don't know, whether it's leaflets or whatever, and said, hang on, but would we have known what this word meant? Okay, so he meets his future partner, Sean Sasser, a lesbian and gay march in Washington. Sean is also an AIDS educator. And initially, Sean is in awe of Pedro, to be honest, saying he'd never met someone who was as good as he was at what he did. But that's their first meeting. Sean lives in San Francisco. And not long after he meets Pedro, he hears about the MTV reality TV show, The Real World. Um, And he heard that they were looking for an HIV positive person to be cast in their 1994 season in San Francisco. They were actually casting a positive person. I had just made up in my head that what his story was, was that the public knew that he was positive because he went on the show, cast, you know, for whoever he was, his personality. And then he came out. I made that up myself without even knowing it. I didn't realise they were literally looking for a positive person to go on there. Yeah, they were. It's quite... um, I don't want to say contrived TV show because it's kind of... But it is, that is. But it kind of is. They kind of identify certain types of people that they want to go and live in this house. We should explain for those people that haven't seen the real world. It's. I was going to say it's a bit like Big Brother in that it is a reality TV show with a group of strangers living in the same house. 
but it's different in that each season is filmed in a different city and they can leave the house. You're just following them as they carry on working or seeing their family, but they all live together. And it's not it's not a competition to win, is it? It's more like an ongoing observation of how people from differing backgrounds can live together or not. Yes, it's nothing like was... Big Brother, actually, is it? No, it's not like Big Brother, definitely. <laughs> it's reality TV. I think that's where it begins and ends, being like Big Brother. But I know we're saying it's contrived for sure. But if their aim, obviously, I don't actually know what the producer's aim was, but if their aim was to raise more awareness around HIV, then hell yeah, I'm on board with that. But yes, did you ever watch The Real World? I have seen it, yes. But I didn't get fully on board with it because it was around... Is it when Big Brother was? No. No, before. Big Brother was a bit later. (gasps) So it's the forerunner to Big Brother. Mm. Oh, see, Big Brother, the first few series of that. God, I loved it. Yeah, I did. I love any reality TV, to be honest. Yeah, not so much now because I feel it's been done to death. But when all of this stuck, because there was a real kind of trend, wasn't it? Everybody was doing kind of reality TV shows. So, yes, so basically putting seven people from very different backgrounds we've never met before into the same house to live together and see what happens. And he sent in his audition tape and he does it not because he wants to be famous, but because he's like, hold on a moment. This program is huge and I can reach way more people than if I'm traveling all around America. He has a good point. He has a very good point. And his audition tape is lovely. Is it online? It's on YouTube. Oh, I have to have a look. You instantly, you're just like, what a nice person he is. So he got cast, right? He did. Yeah, that would be awful, wouldn't it? But he didn't get cast and they've never featured anyone else's <laughs> positive at the end. No, he did. So he was in the third series and it's actually the one that helped the show gain widespread attention. So they all moved into the house. There's seven. They call them cast mates. Seven of them moved into the house on the 12th of February, 1994. The producers had told the other six castmates that one person was positive. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it because that just amps the drama up, doesn't it? And it it almost makes it, again, I don't love that they did that, whatever the reason was, because again, it feels like they're making it a bit of a, it's very sensationist, isn't it? One of you here is positive. Like, why? Why would we need to do that? No, I totally agree. They want the drama out of this. And I think Pedro, to a certain extent, diffused that drama because he's so open about his diagnosis that when they're all together he's like guys I'm the one that's positive here's a scrapbook I've made of my AIDS educator career and instantly it takes the drama out of it doesn't it and there was only only one castmate with any HIV knowledge around how it was transmitted and that was someone called Pam Ling Um, she was a medical student but all the others are actually quite open quite receptive to him apart from one there's always one isn't there of course and they would have put him this person in there specifically right to be the opposition yes I think so I mean it was a a girl called Rachel and she privately expressed her discomfort she didn't do it to his face so they have like confessionals didn't they so a bit like the diary room of the big brother private space castmates can share their thoughts to camera and she was worried about how HIV would affect her and the others I love it when people do that it's not just me guys I'm also thinking of everybody else too yeah yeah I'm not being selfish not about me it's the bigger picture (laughs) it's like when people say I'm not being funny but and you're like but yeah okay or I don't want to don't want to be a bit of a dickhead but and you're like but you already are is is saying I'm not being funny I think is that a British thing 
I don't know. I think it as in ha ha, like they think they're a comedian. It's not funny as in I'm going to say something really horrible in a minute, but I've put that first as a caveat. So I'm not actually being horrible. Which means you literally are because you're saying, look, I'm not yeah. being funny, right? Because it normally comes with, uh, I'm not being funny, right? But I'm really annoyed that you did that. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a caveat, like you're saying, it's a preceder to something along those lines. Yeah, I was just wondering if, if that's a, a British thing or if they say that in other places. I think it probably is because we're so bad at expressing ourselves. I mean, there's British people listening to this now going, well, you speak for yourself. I'm fine at expressing myself. But I do think as a nation, we're known for being, for not actually saying what we mean. Uh, well, we, we try to be polite, but it, I don't know how polite it is. I, yeah, it's just a constant dance, isn't it? But I'll let you proceed. Anyway, Rachel, she's worried, uh, as I said, about how HIV would affect her and the others. And she's afraid to bring up her concern. She doesn't want to seem intolerant. So initially, she just distances herself from Pedro, but he notices. He's very astute and he thinks, oh, she's just kind of rejecting my friendship because of the HIV. So, you know, whatever she's game she's playing is not really working. What he does do is tries to educate her about HIV. So they're very different people and they do eventually form some sort of rapport. So in one episode, she takes him to meet her family. But by the end of the season... Pedro's disappointed because he feels they could have been a lot closer right. than they actually became. But, you know, Pedro, done everything you can. Some people you just cannot win over. That's the thing, isn't it? You just can't win them all. No, but he is perceptive. He notices or he senses, I should say, that his roommate has concerns about sharing a room with him. So his roommate is called Judd Winnick. Americans have the best names. Judd Winnick. Judd Winnick, yes. That That is quite a name, isn't it? And what Pedro does is he almost, it's kind of really subtle HIV education, just through casually chatting with him. And that kind of does the trick. So what Pedro's really good at is assessing a situation and knowing the right strategy to take to educate that person without it feeling like you're lecturing them. And thats I think that's quite a skill. Oh, huge skill. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, and one we don't possess, but that's not true. Anyway, um, so Judd doesn't even realise what's going on, but him and two other castmates uh, start to attend Pedro's school lectures to learn more about HIV. Now, during the filming of the show, Pedro and Sean, remember Sean, the guy that he met at the... Oh, um, yes, yes. That's also an AIDS educator. Yeah. They start dating. Do we know how they met up again or not? I think they kept in touch when Pedro um, got his place in the house they're both in san francisco now easy to kind of meet up because pedro's not having to travel from miami right the way across america yeah good american i have no idea where san francisco is in relation to miami they're on different sides of the country oh are they Mm. i mean obviously i know that they're both by the sea but as different seas (laughs) oh god this is awful i'm just gonna stop talking well anyway they're now in the same city they meet up they start dating and they become a couple and then sean proposes to pedro is this on the show i don't know if he actually proposed on the show they have a commitment ceremony in the real world house and that made history because they're the first same-sex couple to have a commitment ceremony broadcast on tv amazing love that and i know some people might think oh god that's so quick but remember they're living with HIV, so time is of the essence. 
Well, it's also no one else's business. I hate it when people say that stuff. It's like, what? So some people wait 10 years, others wait two months. Does it? I mean, I just, yeah, it's just no one else's business. We say that a lot, Sarah, but I, we, I mean it a lot. No one else's business. I would agree with you, but everybody has an opinion about everything, don't they? Yeah. So life is good for Pedro, but during the filming of the series, his health starts to deteriorate. Uh, he's experiencing night sweats, weight loss, and he's got recurring bouts of pneumonia. The producer of The Real World was someone called John Murray. And he says, or he said in interview, Pedro got sick much faster than he expected. And he made us promise to tell his story to the end. Oh, wow. Well, do you know what? Like, what an amazing pla- He had that platform, didn't he? And he was like, I want to educate people. Like, amazing. I know. And I think what didn't help with Pedro's health was an ongoing conflict with another castmate called David Rainey or Puck, <gasps> as he was known. So I remember Puck. Yeah, he yeah. was the very, like, belligerent one, wasn't he? Yes, I think what I've written here is, to be honest, this guy was a bit of a dick to everyone. I don't know if we can keep that in. I think we should keep it allegedly. in. I quite like it. Uh, yes, allegedly. Well, that's not. Is it alleged? It was on the It was on the series, but we'll say allegedly. I think you allow an opinion that doesn't have to be alleged. Oh, but he is, I just found him a bit immature, to be honest. Yeah. You know, he would mock Pedro's Cuban accent. He was very dismissive of Pedro's relationship with Sean. I mean, basically, he's homophobic. Yeah, he was He was quite grating throughout that series, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he was. And it got so bad that Pedro decided to move out of the real world house. You know, you're not feeling great anyway. You've got someone constantly picking at you. Yeah. Of course, you're going to want to move out. But the other castmates were unanimous. They wanted Pedro to stay and they evicted Puck. I love that. Yes, so do I. So with that behind him, Pedro was able to continue with the show. To the viewers, he appeared healthy, but his castmates knew he was unwell. And they used to cover for him. So when they're doing their weekly confessionals, they're saying, oh, yeah, he's fine. Everything's great. But they knew it wasn't. Right. But they're helping out in that way. I mean, how long did the real world run for? Oh, they moved out of the house on the 19th of June, 1994. So that's February, March, April, May, June. So it's about four four months. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's not, I, I, was, I don't know why I thought it might be a year or something. No, it wasn't that long. And the week after they move out, it begins airing on TV. Now, Pedro uh, went back to his family in Miami, and then he returned to San Francisco to live with Sean. Oh, amazing. I know. Uh, There's a reunion party after uh, the series has started to air. Pedro, he's looking quite poorly by this point, and the castmates notice he's very quiet. He has difficulty following their conversations. And MTV as well, they've noticed he's starting to have trouble recognising where he is. So he has to go into their offices for a meeting, and he's not really sure why he's there or who they are. And it led to him uh, being admitted to hospital in August with, oh, here we go, a condition that causes brain lesions, headaches and confusion. Toxoplasmosis, I think is how you say it. It is how you say it. Well done. Oh, but then I think Dr. Brett might listen to this and just go, no, you idiot. Just can't pronounce medical conditions at all, can you? To Brett, who we love, if you are listening to this, please feel free to DM me 
privately on our Instagram page and let me know. <laughs> I'll break it to her gently. <laughs> so he's um, diagnosed with uh, that toxoplasmosis and also something called PML, which is a very rare, often fatal viral inflammation of the brain that disrupts electrical pulses of the nervous system. And that condition is it is treatable in people with a normal immune system or a healthy immune system, perhaps right. we should say. But obviously, Pedro has a very low immune system. So uh, we measure immunity by T cells or CD4 count, as we call it. So with a normal count, is it keeps changing, but I would say, what, 600 to 1200? Yes. Yeah. But as Sarah said, throughout the years, this figure has changed in terms of what in quote unquote normal is. Yeah. Yeah. What constitutes a healthy kind of immune system? So it was a 600 to 1200. That's quite broad ranging. Pedro's count was 32. So his immune system is very damaged by HIV at this point. He's given three to four months to live and he is flown back to Miami. Now, anyone who's in any doubt, and I'm sure they won't be, but just in case of the impact Pedro had through his education work and by being on the real world, put those doubts to bed right now because it is at this point that the president of the united states of america bill clinton phones pedro to thank him for his work really yeah and imagine it's been noticed by the president that's amazing yeah that's awesome. and amazing too for his family they're by his bedside they can't be sure whether pedro can comprehend who's calling him because he's very poorly by this point but for the family what a moment, what a memory that's been created at such a dark and difficult time. Yes, how proud you'd be. Unbelievable. I mean, you're going to be proud anyway. But like you're saying, to have that be noticed by the president, that's unbelievable. It really is. And President Clinton, he asked the family if there's anything he can do to help them. And they asked if he could arrange for Pedro's siblings, who are still in Cuba, to fly over to be with him in his final days. What resulted from that was an agreement with Cuba that 20,000 Cubans per year could be admitted to the USA, obviously including Pedro's three brothers and their families, and they arrived in the next couple of weeks. So the whole family reunited for the first time in 14 years. So from from Pedro, from what was happening to Pedro and bringing his family over, it opened this whole other... Um, I suppose, law, change in law. That's amazing. No, but it's creating an official um, kind of gateway, really, isn't it? So yes, that that's it. Cubans can apply to enter the UK. UK? Excellent. <laughs> I can't believe it came off the back of them just saying, look, can you bring, can you please bring the family over? Because obviously we need to be together. And I can't believe it had been 14 years. I know. And it's such a you know, he's the president of America. He's probably not aware of all the challenges that people face. And this has been brought to his attention. And he's like, actually, we can do something about this. We can create an official kind of channel for people from Cuba to enter the United States, including your family, so that you can be together in Pedro's last days. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, right. So we're moving on to the 21st of October. And Judd Winnick, remember him? The yep. housemate that shared a room with Pedro announces that MTV have set up a trust fund to pay Pedro's medical costs. He's got, in America, as you know, um, you have to have medical insurance in order to access healthcare. Pedro couldn't get medical insurance because he was HIV positive. So Judd and MTV have set up a fund for him. 
Pedro had always made it very clear to his family that when he became poorly, he didn't want to be kept alive by artificial means. And when he became unresponsive, the family honoured his wishes and they withdrew life support. So on the 11th of November 1994, the age of just 22, Pedro died surrounded by his family, Sean, Judd and Pam, the two castmates. He passed away just hours after the final episode of Real World was aired. Oh, wow. That's quite poignant, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And sad, actually. It's very sad as well. It is. It's the worst part, I think, of telling someone's story on the podcast is you just wish with all your might that they didn't die. It was the same when we looked at Ryan White. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. That you know it's it was, coming and you're like, oh, they did so much. They just, yeah, they went through so much. Hmm. Yeah. And you're kind of wishing and wishing that you can change the outcome. And of course you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, life is just unfair sometimes, isn't it? And that must have had such a huge impact, though, the timing of all of that. So he was on The Real World in 94 and he also passes away. As you say, like a few hours after the last episode, that must have sent ripples through media. Do you know what I mean? And and America, because that would be really shocking. Yes, yes, it would be. And I think if we run through quickly, some of the things that have been done in his honour. Yes. I think it will highlight the impact that his short life had. So MTV broadcast a special memorial programme in his honour, first of all. I have to say MTV, I think, handled all of this really, really well. They were very supportive. Yeah. MTV Um, do a lot of good. They do a lot of safe sex campaigns. Yes, MTV, we like you. We do. President Clinton, uh, again, publicly praised his leadership and work education with high school students. A road in Miami was renamed Pedro Zamora Way. Several organisations set up in his memory, uh, including a foundation, a memorial fund and a youth HIV clinic. Pedro's sister took over his HIV education work, along with Judd Winnick, fellow castmate. How lovely. Yeah, really amazing. An autobiography is written about Pedro's life that was published in 2000, won several awards and was then incorporated into the school curricula across the country. Pam Ling, remember her? Another castmate. She was a medical student at the time. She devoted her medical research to HIV and AIDS. Pedro's partner, Sean, continued his LGBT activism and his work resulted in President Clinton appointing him to the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV and AIDS. A film was made of Pedro's life. It was called Pedro. It was released in 2008. In 2014, National AIDS Memorial in San Francisco renamed their youth scholarship program, the Pedro Zamora Young Leaders Scholarship. And he was, Pedro was one of 50 American pioneers, inaugural pioneers inducted on the National LGBTQ Wall of Honour within the Stonewall National Monument. So the monument's in New York, I'm sure you've heard of it. It was the first American monument of its kind. And he was one of the first people named on it. I could go on. I won't because, you know, people will just switch off, won't they? Those are just some of the highlights. I mean, his legacy is huge. Let's not forget that his legacy is enormous, but let's also remember the legacy is also the millions of people, and I'm sure it would have been millions, that watched the real world. 
and got to feel like they were engaging and relating to someone that was positive when actually at the time, as we've talked about lots, mostly it's media shock stories and things that no one can relate to. So that mm. is such a massive game changer it must have been so that that is hugely part of the legacy too isn't it yes I think you could say that there's there's a whole generation of young people that have been educated about HIV in a very non-targeted way and are seeing in real terms what it's like for someone to live with the virus so how old was he when he passed away was he 22 oh so young to have done so much let's have a look yes the age of 22 is incredibly young obviously anyway but to have made such an impact and to be so young like you're just like ryan white very much so very kind of i wouldn't say similar people i don't think you can compare them that's probably not fair but both have done so much in such a short time to raise awareness about hiv in america yeah and both sadly died far too young yeah it's been like lovely and really uplifting and it's warmed my whole heart but it's also made me sad oh me too such a lovely person it's been a real yeah. pleasure to learn more about them. Yeah. I'm enjoying how we don't know how to wind this up now. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know how we're going to end the episode because it's just really sad. And normally we have some sort of inane chat at the end that's just, I don't know, condiment based. Oh, and I feel like we can't really do that. Oh, well, we will say that you know he's an absolute hero, without a doubt. Did so much to raise awareness about HIV. We salute him. Yes. Thank you for everything you did, Pedro. Amazing. And oh, how fantastic of his sister and Judd to be continuing. Mm. Amazing. We applaud you. All the way from the UK with our terrible knowledge of America. We're so sorry. Apologies about that. That we had terrible knowledge about. I hope our Pedro knowledge was good, much better than our knowledge of America as a whole. See, I'm going to have to come up with some sort of American geography quiz for you. It'll be really simple. I'll just shout out cities or towns and say, which side are they, east or west? I know some of them. I know some of them. I know New York's never eat east, isn't it? I did never eat shredded wheat there. I don't know. I always have to do that. Yeah. So like New York... Boston, that's East Coast, isn't it? And then like LA is West Coast. Yeah, that's what I've got, Sarah. And Texas is down low and New Mexico. Yes. Yeah. And then I always want to say Arkansas, but it's Arkansas, isn't it? That's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, that's what I've got. Okay. All good so far. Where's Washington? In Baltimore. I know this because I one of my favorite programs of all time is The Wire. I've watched it about four or five times in total. Oh, so good. It's amazing. So that's East Coast, higher up. So you've got like Baltimore and then Washington. They're near each other. Well, where's Vegas then? In the desert, isn't it? It's in Nevada. I don't know where exactly that is on a map, but I think it's sort of middly low. That's what I'm going to call it, the area. Is it in Arizona? Nevada. Do you know how I know that, Sarah? Mm. How do you not know this? Because it's an Anavadaversary. Anavada what? From Friends. Completely lost me and I'm biggest Friends fan in the world. Where do they mention this? They almost get married and then and then they go again later, don't they? And she's saying it's our Anavadaversary. It's when they're going to Vegas and it's only supposed to be Monica and Chandler, but everyone goes with them. And she keeps shouting at him, it's an Anavadaversary. Oh, I'm going to have to watch it. Blowing my mind and you love Friends so much. I do love Friends. Maybe I'm getting it confused with what's that place that's always on the first 48? Tucson or something. That's, that's, in, that's Arizona. in Arizona. Yeah. Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Where everyone gets murdered and then you have to sit through this and then I have to watch 
how they track down the murderer and it's very gruesome. Oh, I love a bit of true crime. Is that your boys? Are they enjoying the true crime? No, that's my husband. After the first 48, we have to watch Forged in Fire. When they make knives out of... Because I always find when you've got two teenage boys and, you know, knife crime is rife in the UK at the moment. I always find letting them watch a programme about how to make their own knife is is the way forward, isn't it? They're probably too lazy. I'm not going to lie. No judgment on your boys, but they're teenagers. I'm imagining they're like, oh, it looks like a lot of work. Probably not going to not going to bother with that. Yeah. So that's what we end up watching every evening. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, now you don't need to give me like a little, they call it a pop quiz, by the way. What does that mean? What is, why does, why is it a pop quiz? Because like oh, in know. prisons in America, they say gen pop, which means general population. I know this from the programs I watched, but what is a pop quiz? Is it a population quiz? Is it a popular quiz? What does pop mean? Anyone, please help us with this. I don't know. And I'm not going to lie. I've switched off now. I'm checking my emails. Sarah's glazed over. Um, Welcome to Jess's American Adventure podcast, where it's just me and I learn all things American. So come on board on this journey, y'all. Oh, oh no. Just end it, Jess. End it here. Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the HIV podcast for behind the scenes insights and videos. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.